0: Mary Magdalene has been on my mind for a while now. She's my favourite woman in the Bible. And you'll see why as we go through some of the verses from John chapter 20 in a wee bit more detail. But let me start with a bit of background first. She's only mentioned 12 times in the Bible. However, this is more times than many of the apostles. So what do we know about this woman who played such a prominent part in the resurrection story? Luke 8, verse 1 to 3 says, Now it came to pass that Jesus went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women, who had been healed of even spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven spirits, seven demons, Joanna and Susanna, and many other who provided for him from their substance. Mary was by far the most common name for girls and women in the Bible, so we could easily get confused about which Mary is which. It was therefore necessary for the authors of the Gospels to call this Mary Magdalene in order to distinguish her from the other Marys who had followed Jesus. As her name suggests, Mary is from Magdala, which was a prosperous city on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. It is thought that Mary was from a wealthy family, because she helped support Jesus from her personal fortune. However, Mary was troubled. Mark 16 verse 9 tells us that she was healed by Jesus from seven demons which he had cast out of her. Now listen, every place, every name, every colour, every number in the Bible has significance. And the number seven means completeness. This implies that the evil spirits completely dominated Mary's life. The suffering was therefore extremely severe. Demons were widely believed to cause physical and mental illness, severe emotional or psychological trauma and self-destructive behaviour. So it's easy to see then why Mary was so devoted to Jesus. The devil had been in complete c- control of her life. She was plagued by demons and tormented by evil spirits. But Jesus set her free. He set her free. She now lived a completely different life. She had hope and a purpose and a future. And she displayed an amazing attitude of gratefulness because her life had been so remarkably changed by his healing power. That's why she was so determined to stay so close to the side of her saviour, no matter what. She followed Jesus and his party of disciples wherever they went. She listened at his feet. She served him and loved him. She didn't desert Jesus after his arrest in Jerusalem, and she watched as they nailed him to the cross. Her loyalty to him was unwavering. When Jesus died, his body was taken down and carried to the nearby burial place. Mary Magdalene followed and watched the men roll the heavy stone to the entrance of the tomb and seal the grave. Her beloved was dead. Her hope was gone. But early, very early, on the morning of the Sabbath, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene rose and went to the tomb again. I read this somewhere. It is those whose hearts are most moved by amazing grace that are the most devoted. And this was certainly true of Mary. When Mary Magdalene arrives, she sees the stone that closed the entrance to the tomb had been removed. She is shocked and she imagines a grave robbery. She then ran to tell Simon, Peter, and John and said to them, They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've led him. She heard the men say that Jesus was not there and she watched as they returned to where they were staying. But Mary remains. I wonder why she stayed. Maybe she didn't know where to go or what else to do. She was confused and troubled and she stood outside the tomb weeping. Verse 11 says she wept. Mary is weeping loudly without restraint because she believes that Jesus' body has been stolen. You know, the Song of Solomon 8, verse 7 says many waters cannot quench love neither can the floods drown it. Her heart was ready to break with sorrow. Nothing but would, would comfort her. Mary's heart was in earnest to find Jesus. And this reminds me of another verse from Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 1. I sought him, whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. Mary then sees two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had been laid. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've led him. Now notice she doesn't seem surprised at the sight of the angels. All she wants to do is see Jesus. Mary could not leave the sepulchre. Love to her gracious master would not let her leave this place. Her devotion was rewarded. For Mary Magdalene had the immense privilege of being the first woman to see the resurrected Christ. First 14 says, Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and she did not know that it was him. Now it's not hard to understand why she didn't immediately recognise Jesus. She thought he was a gardener. She looked for him for only an instant, in poor lighting, because it was still early, through her tears and sorrow. Remember, Jesus had been whipped and beaten. His beard had been torn from his face. The crown of thorns were put upon his head. Isaiah 52, verse 14 prophesied that his visage or appearance was more marred than anyone had ever been. That was the last mental picture of Jesus that Mary had. She had watched as he took his last breath. So before she could recognize Jesus, she had to believe that he was alive. As long as she sought a dead body, she couldn't find a resurrected Saviour. She had not yet grasped the idea of the resurrection, and she was therefore taken unawares. Sometimes we forget his promises. Sometimes we don't understand his ways. Sometimes we feel abandoned or far from God. Like Mary, sometimes we just don't realise that he is standing right beside us. Abraham Lincoln once said, behind the clouds, the sun is still shining. That makes me think that even in our darkest moments, we are, we are not forsaken. Jesus is still there. Acts 17, verse 27 says, God is not far from any one of us. God wants us to know this. He wants us to know that as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth and even forevermore. Psalm 125, verse 2. He will never leave us. He is as close as the mention of his name. So trust him on this. Lean on him when you feel isolated or alone. I was in hospital for a week during COVID and I couldn't have any visitors. I was in the new part of the Ulster Hospital, so if you know it, you're in individual rooms. So it was very um, much on my own, but I knew I had Jesus. I read my Bible and I listened to music and one of the songs that played was called There Was Jesus. How appropriate, I thought. Um, Dolly Parton sings it if he's want to look it up. But here's the words. Every time I try to make it on my own, every time I tried to stand and start to fall. And on all those lonely roads that I had traveled on, there was Jesus. When the life I built built came crashing to the ground, when the friends I had were nowhere to be found, I couldn't see it then. But I can see it now. There was Jesus. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting. Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment, where I've been and where I'm going. Even when I didn't know it or couldn't see it. There was Jesus. There was Jesus. Isn't that lovely? Please remember this the next time you feel alone. The song continues on the mountain, in the valleys, there was Jesus. In the shadows of the alleys, there was Jesus. In the fire, in the flood, there was Jesus. Every moment, every minute, where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know it or couldn't see it, there was Jesus. Yahweh Shama is the Hebrew name for God, meaning the Lord is there. It's found in Ezekiel 48, verse 35, and it's used to point out to a despondent people in exile that God is with them. God is also Yahweh, Shama now. God is wherever you are. When you're lonely, when you're grieving, when you feel hopeless, when you need forgiveness, when you feel insecure or anxious or afraid. He is as close to us as the air that we breathe. He promised to always be with us, even to the end of this age, after which we'll be with him forever. A Scottish Christian named Geoffrey Bull knew God by this name. Chinese communist imprisoned Bull for three years. In his book, God Holds the Key, Bull wrote, I had no Bible in my hand. No watch on my wrist. No pencil in my pocket. There was no real hope of release. There was no real hope of life. There was no real possibility of reunion with the ones I loved. The only reality that I had was my Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. In that tiny prison cell, Geoffrey Bull knew that God was there. In the belly of a big fish, Jonah knew that God was there. In the middle of the storm, the disciples knew that Jesus was there. Psalm 139, verse 7 to 10 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning... And dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there your hand shall lead me. And your right hand shall hold me. God is in the heights. He's in the depths. He's in the light. And he's in the darkness. He's always with you. That is why Jesus was standing there beside the empty tomb. This was his response to one who loved him. To one who needed him. He was there for the purpose of meeting and comforting a soul in mourning. Isn't that what he promised to come and do to bind up the broken-hearted? Although Mary doesn't recognise him, Jesus knows her, and then Jesus said to her, "Mary." I love this verse, verse sixteen. I've pondered it over over it many times in her despair. Mary heard Jesus call her name. That's why I love this story. There was nothing. She had no hope. She had no joy. And then he says, Mary. He speaks one word, nothing more. Then comes the sudden realization of who was standing there talking to her. He calls her by name. She recognizes his voice and her eyes are opened her grief and confusion disappear. John 10, verse 3 and 4 tells us, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. The voice of God is always most quickly heard by the hearts that love him. And so it is to that devoted love that the first words of the risen Lord are spoken. Do you remember the story of Elijah, 1 Kings 19? He knew that God doesn't only reveal himself in powerful, miraculous ways. He realized that the sound of a gentle whisper was God's voice too. Sometimes we just have to step back from the noise and activity of our busy lives and listen for God. Mary knew this gentle voice. She turns to face him. What a wonderful moment. Despair turned to joy. She cried, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. What else could she do then but to fall to the ground in reverence for her Lord and teacher? One word uttered was sufficient to turn this weeper into a worshiper. And that's what happened to Mary. Mary. Her sorrow was ended, her cup was overflowing with joy. She had been rewarded for her devotion, her faithfulness, her perseverance. What joy she must have felt knowing that her healer, redeemer, master and friend was alive. Song of Solomon 3 verse 4 says, I found him whom my soul loveth. I found him and would not let him go. Isn't that lovely? Mary did the same, she would not let him go. But Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. Both he and Mary had important work to do. So he interrupts her fervent embrace to tell her that he has a mission to return to his father. If he didn't descend into heaven, the Holy Spirit could not come. And Mary had a mission too. Verse 17 says, go instead and tell them that I am returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. She had much to tell them. She had seen Jesus. She heard his voice. She had fallen at his feet. Jesus is alive. Mary hurries back to the city, probably running, brimming over with with the wonderful news. She had seen the Lord. She seen him with her very own eyes. She had searched for him with all her heart, and she found him. Jeremiah 29, verse 13 to 14 says, If you seek the Lord with all your heart, you will find him, and he will be found by you. Jesus appeared in person to his own, to those who sought him. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 5 says, Christ appeared to Peter, then to the twelve, After this, he appeared to more than 500 other followers. He also appeared to James, then to all of the apostles. In total, at least 513 people saw Jesus alive after his death and resurrection. In any courtroom, this number of witnesses would be far more than needed to establish the accuracy of an event. This happened over a 40-day period. But he first appeared to a woman. I think this is remarkable. She was the one selected to have the high honour of being the first to gaze upon the triumphant Redeemer. I looked into this a bit, and there's many different reasons given as to why Jesus first appeared to Mary Magdalene. But I like to think of it this way: To her who loved him so deeply, does the Saviour first appear? God is our rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The story of Mary Magdalene is a picture of heartfelt and consistent devotion. She lost sight of him for a while, but she found him whom her soul loveth. She held him and wouldn't let him go. How wonderful it would be if we all did the same. If we all sought for him with all our heart. But it is often the most broken among us that cling to God the tightest, for those who are forgiven much, love much. Remember, Jesus is not far from you. He knows you. He knows your circumstances. He knows when you are lonely, dismayed, or afraid. He sees your heart for him, and he gently calls you by name. He has promised to never leave you or forsake you, and his resurrection guarantees this. The resurrection of Christ is the single most powerful event in history. It distinguishes Christianity from all other religions. What appeared to be the most devastating day in history became the greatest day in history. And because he lives, we can live also. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, we would be spiritually dead, broken and hopeless, eternally separated from the God of love. But Christ triumphed over sin and death and the power of the enemy over us when he arose from the dead. And all those who trust in him are raised to new life in this world and everlasting life in the world to come. What great news! Mary shared the great news with the disciples. The disciples shared the news with others, they spread the gospel. Throughout, Christians throughout the next centuries spread that great news and not as high we have learned about Jesus today because someone told us the resurrection story. Our mission is the same, to tell others that our master, friend and redeemer lives. In the 1930s, a preacher named Alfred Ackley uh, preached uh, during a time of evangelistic meetings and a young Jewish student asked him this question. Why should I worship a dead Jew? Using scriptures to witness to him, Pastor Ockley began to explain that Jesus was alive. He lives, I tell you. He is not dead, but lives here now. Jesus Christ is more alive than ever before. I can prove it by my own experience and by the testimony of countless thousands. Later that night, Ockley put his thoughts about their conversation on paper. The words flowed for him, so he sat at his piano and added music. The hymn he lives was born. Listen, I know I always talk about songs, but they can say things better than I can say. He says, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living. No matter what men say, I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. In all the world around me, I see his loving care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blast. The day of his appearing will come at last. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Lift up your voice and sing eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and he talks with me a long life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Surely that's our testimony too. You ask us how we know he lives. He lives within our hearts. So let's worship him this morning, like Mary Magdalene did. For Jesus is alive today. Amen.